Welcome back to Taboo Taboo Podcast. This is Ava, and today we're bringing you a very misunderstood topic in sex that I know I hear from my friends a lot, causes a lot of stigma and anxiety, but brings joy to so many. Butt stuff. As a broader culture, we're pretty afraid of the back door. Uh, It's a source of anxiety about sexual performance, brings up fears that we have about our own bodies, and for men that enjoy it, especially cis straight men, Receiving anal play carries with it a lot of internalized homophobia, sexism, and of course, misogyny. Um, In this episode, we talk about uh, all of this with our butt stuff expert. Uh, I think butt spurt totally needs to be a term. Sex educator and writer Charlie Glickman to unpack all these myths and taboos. Um, It leaves you with, I think, a really incredibly content-dense episode. Uh, This is packed full of practical, tactical advice and lots of fun things to try at home by yourself or, of course, with a trusted friend. Uh, word of warning for our listeners, this episode involves a lot of anatomical talk, and in it we also impact some of the rape culture around anal play. So if that's a tough topic for you, please be aware that this is the case. Um, with that, please come around back and make yourself welcome with our episode on butt sex. Uh, I know there's a lot of people, especially a lot of like straight guys who have a lot of hiccups around butt stuff, when I love calling it butt stuff, um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Somehow, as soon as you let somebody enter your rear end, that somehow makes you gay. Do you hear that a lot? You know, this is one of the most common concerns that uh, that people have. And I don't just hear this from men. I've also heard this from partners of men of various genders. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, actually, when, when uh, Aislinn Amerzian and I... Uh, started working on the ultimate guide to prostate pleasure, we sent out a survey uh, ultimately reaching about 200 people who responded to us. And one of the questions that we asked was, uh, what were some of the concerns or worries that kept you from trying this, if any? And there were three that showed up over and over again. Uh, Is this going to hurt? Is this going to get messy? is this going to mean that I'm gay? And we, we started unpacking that. There's actually a whole chapter in the book just on this topic because it, it's kind of fascinating. There's some research that came out a few years ago. They surveyed gay men about their most recent sexual experience. Uh, it's just, what did you do? And it turned out that anal intercourse happened uh, 37% of the time. Now, I'm pretty sure that 99.9% of gay men have tried anal sex because, you know, there's a lot more conversation about it in those circles. But imagine what the world would be like if heterosexual folks were having intercourse only one third of the time. Huh. That, that, that would be big news. Yeah. Uh, so, so first off, I, I think it's worth debunking the idea that anal intercourse is what gay men do all the time. Um, there's lots of other kinds of sex. Uh, the, the second piece of this is it's not like gay men are born with magical nerves in their butts or in their prostates that straight <laughs> guys don't have. Right. <laughs> right. Who you want to have sex with is different from what kinds of sex you want to have. Um, In the same way that who you want to have dinner with is different than what kinds of food you like to eat. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, so so enjoying anal play does not change your sexual orientation. Actually, the last thing is from a sexological perspective, any sex act that is done by people of of different genders no matter what the sex act is, by definition, that is heterosexual sex. So yeah, but that's only logical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I but so I want to unpack this myth a little bit more because a lot of guys worry that receiving penetration means that they are taking on the woman's role or that they're being submissive. Um, And this has a lot to do with our attitudes about sex and gender, but it doesn't have a lot to do with reality. Um, You know, it's it's only cultural rules that say that receiving penetration is the quote-unquote woman's role. 
Um, and it's in fact only cultural rules that tell us that receiving penetration is an act of submission. Um, I know plenty of women who are dominant, who like to have intercourse with their partners and they're the ones running the show. I hear that same myth kind of a lot, which is that uh, this idea that penetrative sex is somehow inherently uh, submissive in some way. But as I've, as I've discussed with the true, sometimes there's just kind of nothing more fun than to like tie someone down and have sex with them. Um, <laughs> and I think it works both ways. So it works um, with without restraints, just with like, you know, with with a uh, verbal control or conditioning. And uh, it's kind of actually always a relief to hear. Um, people talk about that with uh, anal sex as well, because I think, I'm sure, uh, Charlie, you run into all this all the time, but another one of the big tropes of femdom is pegging. Mm -hmm. I think people tend to mentally associate uh, anal penetration with submission. Yeah. Well, and and there are reasons for that. I mean, you know, in order to relax your body and allow for penetration, a lot of people do experience that as an act of surrender uh, or you know, somebody else being in charge. And if that's what works for you, great, go for it. But there's nothing about receiving penetration that is inherently submissive. And you know, for what it's worth, there have been times when I've been on the receiving side and I'm the one telling my partner, no, do this, now do that, do this exactly the way I want. This is for my enjoyment and, and I'm running the show. So that's not a submissive act for me at all, necessarily. Um, but yeah, so this myth shows up a lot and it definitely holds a lot of people back from exploring anal play. Uh, and that's unfortunate because it means that we're not accessing the full pleasure potential of our bodies. So uh, the more you can let go of that and try something fun, the more adventures you're going to get to have. And that seems like a win to me. Somebody who's uh, starting to explore this on my own body is a good place to start. Did you say where's a good place to start? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Well, so I think the place to start with anal play is on yourself, exactly the way that you described. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. One is that if you're doing this with somebody else and it doesn't quite feel right, or you want to take a break, or you want more or less of something, you have to stop put it into words, get the words out, your partner has to hear them and then figure out what to do. So there's a lot of steps along the way. Uh, when you practice on yourself first, you don't have to do any of that. You can just explore and see what feels good for your body uh, and not have to worry about communicating with somebody else. So I think that's a great place to start. Um, one of the one of the myths that people often come up against is this idea that anal play is supposed to just be done on its own. And I think that, and what I mean by that is you know, what you'll see in porn is, you know, anal intercourse and there's no vibrators, nobody's rubbing their genitals, nobody's doing anything else. It's just that. Um, but what actually works better is to combine anal play with something that you already like. So, you know, start off with, with masturbation the way that you already like it, and then add in some anal stimulation. Uh, use your vibrator, use your hands, use your toys. Uh, make the anal play sort of an, an add-on or a side dish uh, rather than the main course. And, and the reason why I, I always suggest that is that it teaches your body to take the familiar pleasure that it already knows and associate that with the new activity. Uh, this is actually my recommendation anytime you want to try anything new sexually is make it a side dish and it gives your body an opportunity to start building some of those connections uh, rather than just going for it. Um, some people, if you just go for it, it works out perfectly, but other people, it's not enough on its own. I was about to say, um, I think one part of this I really resonant about that is the, uh, 
you know, like you said, it takes a lot for people to kind of loosen up or relax and that, um, you know, all of us are, are used to, uh, you know, getting into a certain sort of like setting or mood whenever you're going to masturbate. Uh, and I think that like, just kind of naturally people relax. So like, as you come over time to know that like what's coming next is going to be a good thing. Um, I think there's like, there's probably something of that that I think alleviates a little bit of the fear of pain, which is, um, I know a lot of people, uh, as a feminine, they kind of come to me with this like big fantasy of being pegged or, you know, strap on play or something like that. And then they end up kind of surprised when, when, you know, having, having read materials by yourself and, and another awesome, but experts, I would say, uh, that I tell them, yeah, like the first things you're going to want to do are by yourself. Yeah. It makes a big difference. It really does. Um, so even so, whether you're doing this for the first time though by yourself or with a partner or or, or whoever, um, get turned on first. You know, don't just dive into anal play. Um, and and that does two things. One, uh, like I was just saying, it helps you associate pleasure with the activity, but also it changes the perception of the sensations. You know, if you're in the middle of really hot sex and your partner bites you on the neck it probably feels different than if they bit you on the neck while you were reading your email. <laughs> right? It just happens. So get turned on first. Um, and uh, because if you're turned on, it makes the sensations feel better. And arousal helps the muscles relax. It's why, you know, on average, women report needing about 20 minutes of stimulation before vaginal penetration feels comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. Nobody has done this research on anal penetration, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's at least that much. So, you know, get turned on first. It'll make everything feel so much better. And and I'll say too that like um, a lot of a lot of self play and, and and people come to you sort of like knowing what works for them and what doesn't is such a relief as a partner. Oh, it makes such a difference. Yeah, and I, I like you said, I get a ton of anxiety when somebody. Um, you know, they, they don't exactly know what needs to change, but they know it's not working. And yeah. then sort of I have to play like, um, you know, 20 questions with their ass, which is really <laughs> not the most fun game in the world. Uh, see, I kind of enjoy that myself. <laughs> That's me. Please write that book, 20 Questions with Your Ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and along those lines, though, when you find something that you're part, if you're doing this with a partner and you're the giver, when you find something that works really well, tell them what it is. Because otherwise, all they can do is say, you know, do that thing you did that time. As mm -hmm. compared to being able to say, yeah, I really like when you hold a vibrator up against me on the outside. Yeah. yeah it's, it's super hard without that feedback to even know. Yeah. So when you find something that feels good, tell your partner what you're doing so that they can then ask for it again. Because otherwise you're gonna have to play 20 questions every single time. So, and, and that's what I think is really, really uh, kind of funny to hear about, because I know that like, Drew, you've just been sort of starting to explore. Um, yeah. And it, has any of this been resonant with like what you've been trying or, you know, or that you think would be maybe good for your future, future export? Yeah, so, um, I had the exact same idea in mind where uh, start by yourself, uh, first get excited, then introduce anal stuff as a side thing. And that's exactly the way I started approaching it. The thing was, though, as, as soon as I introduced kind of butt stuff, being that I'm new to it, as soon as I introduced that kind of stuff while I'm alone, I immediately it immediately took me out of the moment and it kind of uh, made it hard to stay aroused and stay focused and I couldn't really find the pleasure per se in it and now granted that's only been the first few times so I'm still struggling with both maintaining the arousal as well as like introducing this new element and and finding the, the fun in it you know yeah it's a yeah. lot to navigate, lot to navigate. Um, and, um, and part of what you're describing there is getting into your head and that pulls you out of your body. 
That makes sense. Yeah, and so some of that is it's going to take some practice. And and I want to acknowledge too that if you're doing this on yourself, it can be tricky to figure out positions and angles and what's going to work and and all of that. Um, so if you go into the first session or two expecting it to be a little awkward, but you know it's an experiment in figuring out the, the logistics that does make it easier to then move on to being able to to do it without having to think so much. It's funny because I actually went into the first few times expecting to have this epic new type of orgasm that I've never had before. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of people do. A lot of people go into anal play uh, expecting fireworks, and there are some people who have that experience the first time out. But it's actually pretty common for folks to to need to try it a couple of times to figure out exactly what to do before they have that experience. So yeah, it's not uncommon at all. Hmm. So I, I had found actually, uh, and and Charlie would probably get, be good to get your perspective on some of the like introductory level um, uh, toys and things that you think kind of maybe ease that transition. But I know that uh, my current partner had uh, been using the Ineros toy, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, especially for, for listeners, a specially shaped sort of prostate toy that um, is in a certain way meant to also uh, act with, with men's like pelvic floor. So like you don't have to have like one hand down there the whole time, uh, like manipulating it, but that they, they advise certain kind of method um, that we, we started calling like butt mindfulness because it's it's like meditation having to, to squeeze that same sensation over and over again. Yeah, kind of um, is. But I think I think that like required um, of him a certain awareness of like where everything's situated and exactly like what kind of like work or focus is going to be required in a way that I thought was pretty productive. Um, do you think that there are sort of other other sort of introductory things to kind of, you know, because the Inaros like advertises, it's even printed on the box, which cracks me up, all these testimonies from men that are like, I had a hands-free orgasm while playing Xbox, like <laughs> pretty lofty goals. But um, for, for people who, who don't expect to have an immediate, like mind-blowing, like hit the ceiling orgasm right away, like what do you think some either good toys or good expectations would be like? Great. So that's a fabulous question. Um, just for the sake of full disclosure, I, I want to put out there that when I was on tour for the Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, uh, Aneros was one of our sponsors because I'm a big fan of their products. Um, but it's worth knowing that the Aneros is primarily designed for prostate stimulation which is different from anal stimulation. Um, you know, a lot of people have this idea that the reason why guys like anal play is because of the prostate, and that's true for plenty of men, but not everybody. Um, you know, it would be like saying the reason why women like intercourse is because it hits the G spot, and it does for some and not for others. And you know, of course, there are also people whose genitals are. Uh, a little bit different and diverse in their sizes and shapes and where everything is. And so everyone's a little bit different with this. Um, so the Aneros is a great product for prostate massage, especially hands-free. But if you want something that's going to focus on the anus itself, um, I'm a really big fan of the vibrating toys made by B-Vibe. Um, if you go to bvibe.com, so B-V-I-B-E.com. And for beginners, the two that I would recommend are the novice plug or the trio plug. Um, and what I like about them is they're high quality silicone, the motors are super durable, uh, and they are remote controlled. Ooh. So it makes it a little bit easier to navigate uh, you know what we were talking about a minute ago about how to how to do all the things at once. If you've got a remote control toy, that frees up your hands for lots of other things. Um, and and by the way, too, for folks with vulvas, if you're wearing one of these vibrating plugs while receiving intercourse, your partner is going to be able to feel the vibrator too, which is kind of awesome. 
That's cool. And then uh, I won't pretend I haven't just uh, pulled up the website and started looking at it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for people who want something a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. uh, the rimming plug, which mm -hmm. is also on that website, is it's on the larger side. But it's th the reason why it's larger is, um, you know, the rabbit vibrators that have the rotating pearls? Yes. Um, the rimming plug has the same rotating pearl mechanism in the neck of the toy so that when it's inserted, you're getting stimulation on the anus. So for the dudes listening, I will say that that is a very uh, worthwhile addition to, to many kinds of toys like that. So, wow, that looks pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's a great toy. Highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. And I love, I love the idea also of, uh, the, for two reasons, the, the, the remote control, which I think, I think in general remote control toys are a little bit like underrated. Um, you know, also so you can... Again, like, you know, one-handed focus on, as, as you said, you know, either masturbation or another activity. Going um, out to dinner, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, also as a, <laughs> as a femdom, this uh, looks like something I could easily use while my partner is in the infamous cage. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, one thing I will recommend for people who want to wear a butt plug out in public, mm -hmm. uh, stick a, a like a plastic bag in your pocket or your purse so that if the plug starts feeling uncomfortable and you need <laughs> and you need to duck into the bathroom to take it out, you've got somewhere to put it. Yeah, so you don't have to like ask for a doggy bag at the restaurant. Yeah, so a plastic bag <laughs> will help with that. <laughs> See, I use that same trick, but for um, when I don't want to wear my Spanx anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, halfway through the evening, you're like, it seems sexy, it was a good idea, and then you're just like, I've had too much dinner. I'm and done. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> where did all that go? So other, other toys to start with, uh, try a slim dildo. Um, you know, I used to work at a sex toy store, uh, Good Vibrations, in the oh. San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, and the, the number of times some you know, a guy would come in to buy a dildo and harness for his partner to use on him, and he was a complete novice, and he would buy the largest dildo that we had. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a fun fantasy. Yes. yes. But start, yeah. with, start with something on the more slender side. Because you can always ramp up, but if you use a toy that's too big, it's going to be uncomfortable or painful, and then you're just not going to want to do it anymore. And and that's that's super resonant for me, um, especially because yeah, like men come to you with this sort of like fantasy of of being totally railed by like a hot dominatrix or something to that effect, and they the largeness of it is is part of that part of that submissive fantasy. Um, but then you have to like kind of back up. Like I don't even keep dildos in my house that are that are that big or as big as I've seen people like fantasize about because like you know number one they're expensive and number two like most people are not going to sit on that part of the bell curve in terms of like what they can do yeah um, comfortably even like first many times so um, yeah. yeah the slender is a good 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 recommendation yeah it takes practice to be able to use something that big in, in the same way that the first time you exercise or take a yoga class, you might not be able to touch your toes. And it's <laughs> going to take some time to build the flexibility. So um, start off, you know, give your body a break and start off with something smaller. And then you can always go bigger later on. Yeah, you know, people forget too that the, the anus is a muscle. Yeah. Um, or, or contains many of them for sure. And that, uh, you know, you got to be kind to them the same way you would for, um, you know, stretching, rest, injury. Well, and... And it's, you know, so there's actually uh, three different reasons that I've been able to identify for why anal penetration might be uncomfortable. Um, one of them is the muscle needs to stretch, right? Like you just described. Um, then there's also the friction sliding in and out. But there's a third one that people don't always think about, which is that the skin of the anus also needs to be able to stretch. And... Um, you know how on like a dry weather, if you're in the desert or during the winter when the air is really dry, your lips will sometimes crack. And so you put lip balm on to keep that from happening. Uh, one of the things that happens with the anus is that when it's tight, 
the folds of skin kind of stick together a little bit. And then when you're trying to stretch the muscle, the skin, it, it kind of gets this, this burning feeling because the skin just isn't stretching. Um, so if you're finding that that's happening for you, after you take a shower, take a little coconut oil and just massage it in and around the anus. Do that every day for a week and it will probably help alleviate that because you're moisturizing the skin and making it more pliable well, and it sounds you would have like you would have like the most fabulous asshole in the world after that i, I love what it goes <laughs> are, are, are you do you mean me personally or people in general it's just i, I mean i'm sure yours is fabulous but the uh, i'm sure that the uh, coconut oil it does it does wonderful yeah it's great it's great um uh, and it, it also is a helpful thing to do if you're dealing with hemorrhoids because it just keeps the it makes it easier on your body. So little coconut oil goes a long way. So speaking of hemorrhoids then, and of, of like kind of like stretched skin and, and things like that, what do you think some of the most like common fears you hear are? I mean, Drew and I were talking about one uh, a little bit earlier, um, which is like something you also brought up with the questions is like fear it's also going to make a mess. Yeah. So in terms of the hygiene, um, there's things that you can do to minimize the chances of it happening, but I want to be realistic and just say that if you make anal penetration a regular part of your sexual repertoire, sooner or later, shit is going to happen. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically, yeah. Yeah, it just does. It just does. Um, I like to put a dark towel down on the bed. Keeps mm -hmm. the sheets clean. Uh, I really am a fan of using gloves. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, you can buy medical gloves at drugstores. Personally, I, the gloves I prefer are, uh, made for tattoo artists. The material's a little bit thinner, so you get more sensation. Uh, if you, uh, Google black dragon tattoo gloves, you'll find them. Um, and they come in black, which is extra sexy. So for the pro doms out there, that's a nice, that's a nice touch. Oh, I love the black ones there. Yeah. They're very just like, uh, and yeah, I think I, they might be the same ones. They they do have a little bit more of that like velvety feel on the outside. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Um, and some people are more comfortable if they rinse out beforehand. Um, it's one of those things where it's really a personal preference. You know, if you're really concerned about it, rinsing out beforehand is totally fine. If you don't care, then you don't care. Um, and you know, it's whatever helps you feel the most comfortable with it. You know, um, I would say too, there's not like this massive, uh, you know, I try to remind people, there's not like a massive epidemic of people getting like E. coli from butt sex. Um. <laughs> no, I mean, the only way that that would happen is if something got in your mouth, which is why I'm not a big fan of ass to mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the hygiene, it, it's interesting though that you know, when I, when I talked about the three common concerns, you know, people of any gender certainly can be worried about anal sex and hygiene, but it's interesting. I, I mean, I've talked with men who, when they were on the giving side, they weren't worried about it, but when they were on the receiving side, they were. Um, and I actually think that's, at first I thought that that was a weird gendered thing, and then I realized that, you know, when I'm a guest in your house, I don't really care if your living room is a mess as long as I have somewhere comfortable to sit. But when you come over to my house, like I vacuum and I pick things up and I make sure that, you know, the dishes are put away. Um, a lot of people have different feelings about hygiene when they're receiving than when they're giving. That makes, that makes a lot sense. of sense. Yeah. Drew, yeah. how do you feel about it? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I've actually heard that sentiment from partners before. And the funny thing is, is like, um, before I knew anything about this, when I was worried about mess at all, I was thinking like, you maybe touch something and then magically just diarrhea everywhere, right? Or some sort of explosion. But that's not the case at all in my experience. If anything, we're talking about a little bit of this here, a little bit of that there. We're just talking about small stuff, not like the whole house or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, one of the myths about that part of the body, about the rectum, is that it's not actually a holding tank. Um, if you 
have a good diet, lots of fiber, all of that stuff. Um, there's generally nothing in the rectum, which is the last six to eight inches of the digestive system. Uh, there's nothing there until you get that sensation of needing to go to the bathroom. Right. Um, having said that, you know, some people's diets aren't great. Some people take medication that affect their digestion. So again, it's not a guarantee, but generally speaking, it's actually pretty low risk for most people. So um, we've been talking about this for a little while. There are those of us who uh, like to explore. There are those of us who are into this already. But generally speaking, why does somebody start to look into butt stuff? Like, what's kind of the mindset for exploring? Yeah, why do why do people get in? Why do people start to get into this? Well, the anus is packed with lots and lots of really sensitive nerve endings. Uh, actually, there's a, a really interesting experiment you can do. Um, you can do this in bed or in the shower or the bathtub. Um, take the fingers from one hand and stroke your anus. And then take the fingers from your other hand and stroke the lips on your face. And I say the lips on your face because some people have lips in other places. Um, mm -hmm but you'll actually feel that they feel the same to your fingertips. Uh, if you think about it, it makes sense because they're two ends of the same system. Uh, and the reason why this is important is that if you think about how sensitive your lips are and if you're kissing someone or going down on them and you can feel so much with your lips, um, that is how sensitive the anus is. Uh, so one reason why people like anal play is simply because of the sensations of it. Uh, for some people, it's because it's taboo or feels naughty. For some people, it's because it's got that flavor of, of um, you know, breaking rules, that kind of thing. But also, during orgasm, uh, the muscles of the pelvic floor that contract... Uh, that cause the vagina to squeeze or cause the penis to pump and cause ejaculation, the anal muscles squeeze along with those. So having something inserted during orgasm can make your orgasm feel more intense. Um, you know, for those of us who have prostates, it's the best way to reach the prostate, but you can also reach the G-spot. Um, you know, rather than the come hither motion, it's sort of a, a longer reach because you've got to get about an inch further up, but you can reach the G-spot through anal penetration. And uh, I've talked with some folks who say that they get better G-spot stimulation that way. So yeah, there's lots of reasons why folks do it. Um, and as long as you're doing it because it's what you want and not because it's something that your partner wants that you're just kind of going along with, then I say go for it. Because, you know, I'm a big believer in tapping into the full pleasure potential of our bodies. So I wanted to, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I want to debunk a myth that I thought was true. And, and hopefully there's at least one other person out there who thought what I, what I used to think. Uh, if you're a man, no matter your age, you have a prostate. Uh, I so used wait. to think that I, I only ever heard prostates being referred to for older men, and I assumed that that was something maybe like grew or like became a thing. But we all all men have them, right? Well, actually, all people have prostatic tissue, um, in the same way that the that the clitoris and the penis are similar, and the ovaries and the testicles are similar. Uh, the skein's glands, which are in the G spot are similar to the prostate. So it's why some people refer to the prostate as the male G-spot. Um, but everyone, uh, you know, all cisgender men have prostate. So cisgender means that you were born, people looked at you, said you were a male, and you, you're, you're basically, you're not transgender. Um, right. Uh, what happens at puberty is the prostate develops in the same way that breasts develop. So the tissue is there, but at puberty is when it forms and, and grows. 
And uh, the reason why we hear about prostates with older men is that about 50% of men, uh, cisgender men, by the age of 50 will have an enlarged prostate. Um, and by the time we reach 80, about 80% 80 of men do. Uh, so we hear about it in that context because it can cause medical difficulties. But if you have gone through puberty and you have a penis, you probably have a prostate unless there's one of those uncommon differences in sexual development that happens sometimes. Right. So yeah, we just don't hear about it as much with younger guys because younger guys aren't having health issues yet as a general rule. And um, I mean, I, I, it might be a bit hard to describe this via audio, but uh, would you mind letting us know a little bit more about where the prostate is located or where to find more resources to understand oh, yeah. that a little bit? That, that's easy. Um, as far as more resources goes, of course, my book, The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, but the book's website, which is prostatepleasureguide.net, uh, has a whole lot of information, including the same anatomy picture that we put in the book. So if you want to look at the picture, um, go to prostatepleasureguide.net and you'll be able to find it there. Um, but the prostate, uh, it sits just above and just behind the deepest portion of the penis. So it's in the center of the body. Um, functionally, what the prostate does is produces uh, about 50% of the fluid in semen. A sperm are less than 5% of semen. So it's why folks who have had a vasectomy, there's no change in color, texture, volume, taste of their semen. Um, during arousal, the prostate uh, and the seminal vesicles, which sit on top of the prostate, start to fill up with fluid and then during ejaculation, they squeeze all that fluid out and then the muscles pump it out of the body. So that's functionally what the prostate does. Um, as far as the prostate as a pleasure organ goes, um, very similar to the G-spot. If somebody is on his back, uh, if you insert a finger and then curl your finger up towards the belly button. If he's on his hands and knees curled down towards the belly button. Uh, it's about three to four inches inside, uh, not because it moves in distance, but because it's about an inch in diameter. Um, and what you're looking for, if you're, you're trying to find it with your fingertip, is um, it feels like a ripe plum. So it's got that firm but soft feeling at the same time. A a another good way that you can think of it is if you touch your nose, and then you touch your cheek, uh, the firmness of your nose is like the prostate, the softness of your cheek is like the tissue next to the prostate if you're not on target. Um, one thing that can make finding the prostate tricky is that uh, because it gets bigger when somebody gets turned on, it gets firmer, it makes it easier to find and it makes it more pleasurable to touch. Um, and that's especially true for younger guys because they, you know, if you're if you're with a guy who's in his fifties, his prostate may have just gotten larger as he's gotten older, which makes it easier to find. Uh, but if you're with a guy who's in his twenties, you probably need to get him super turned on with other stuff first before you're going to be able to find his prostate. I can corroborate this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've gone on. I've gone on the hunt, and just it's been it's been funny. And I have to admit, it uh, also um, small hands. So yeah. it, you always think it's you, and then you realize actually sometimes it is that yeah. far in there. So well, and you know, my book partner Aislinn, she has very small hands too. And what the way she describes it is, if you insert your finger all the way, and you're and it's too short you can actually push in a little bit deeper because the pelvic muscles will flex. Mm -hmm. um, so you might not be able to do as much of an in and out motion, but you still will be able to reach the prostate because the muscles will flex and then your finger will go in a little deeper. Very interesting. So, yeah, so try that. Oh, um, and then 
for the sensations for the receiver, um, some people report the first time their prostate gets touched, it's like electricity, it's awesome, great. They're, they're, they're the lucky ones. Um, some people find that it feels like they need to pee, just like the G-spot. Uh, and if that's the sensation that, that he's getting, it means that you're on target, but you're pressing a little bit too hard. So back off a little bit. Yeah, and sometimes I think there's like that weird mental association with a lot of different sensations. Um, yeah. Like just the, just the pressure, even the context, like if you only have one context, like I, I tell people all the time because it's something that I've experienced myself during anal sex, where like the first couple of times you have to remind yourself, you're like, I am not taking shit right now. Yeah. It's not happening, but that's the only thing up to that point that your brain has ever associated with any sensation in that area. So you have to just like mentally <laughs> remind yeah, yourself. exactly. Good point. Exactly. Um, and there are some people who the first couple of times they're not going to get much sensation because as you said, Ava, right, it's, it's a new, new information for your body. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you might need to try it two or three times or maybe even more before you start to feel the, the sensations because your body just doesn't know how to interpret them. Yeah. And that's, I find that super interesting just because it's like, you know, you are forming new connections, you're forming new associations, like the behavioral training of that um, can be super hot to play with and in, in an S&M context. Um, but that people just like, you know, they, they are just very afraid of a lot of these different kinds of uh, either like messes that are going to happen or it's going to hurt. Um, so I actually was wondering then, so the difference between when you know something is either like stretching where's the point at which you should like say hey i need to stop for a minute like what signals like are all pain signals things that your body is giving you to say like okay it's time to like reassess what's happening um you know like what how do you usually tell when like it's too much yeah that's a fabulous question so uh one of the most important things about anal play is that uh the, the pelvic floor is incredibly sensitive to our moods and emotions and feelings of safety. Uh, you know how if a dog or a cat gets scared, they tuck their tail under? Um, human beings do the same thing when we're stressed out, which is why people who are stressed out all the time are called tight asses. <laughs> and, and, and people who really bother us, we call them a pain in the ass. The, these are not metaphors, these are literally true statements that happen. Um, and because anal play can go from amazing to ouch fairly quickly, you know, the lube dries out, uh, the glove has a fold in it, your leg is cramping, whatever it is. Um, once you go into discomfort, your body is going to start tightening up and then it's going to become painful. So the most important thing about this is don't endure anything that doesn't feel good. Because as soon as you go into enduring, your pleasure shuts down. Uh, so if you're having any kind of pain or discomfort from anal play, that's a signal that something different needs to happen. You need to go slower, you need to add some lube, maybe you need to use a vibrator or your hand on your penis or your clitoris. Um, whatever it is, anal sex doesn't ever have to hurt. Um, and there's this unfortunate cultural myth that it starts off painful and somehow magically transforms into pleasure. Uh, it works that way for some people. But what I hear from people more often is it was really uncomfortable. I didn't like it. It was really painful. So as soon as you feel discomfort, that's the time to speak up. Uh, and then for partners, the giver, as soon as your receiver says that they need something, thank them. You know, thanks for telling me. Let me grab the lube. You know, thank you for letting me know what would make this feel better. The, the easier you make it for your partner to tell you when they're having discomfort, the easier it's going to be for them to do that before it turns into pain. Absolutely. Yeah, I, so, I, yeah, yeah don't endure painful sex. 
So, you know, and then, so I actually, uh, I remember there was, there was a certain circumstance that I got into some time ago where I think I was a little younger and I hadn't really like known how to, uh, to kind of separate out those conversations yet. But I think like for a lot of people too, for whom like the idea of like taking it, mm-hmm. especially like taking it like a man, you know, this, this whole, um, idea that endurance is somehow its own value. And so I, you know, I think you're, you're absolutely super, uh, right in bringing that up because, you know, a lot of people, they think that, that somehow also that you're like going to impress me by powering through it or that, you know, you're, you're a good submissive, maybe like taking, taking what I give you and all that. And, and having to remind people like now that I'm older, it's way easier to, to say, you know, to kind of flip the script and be like, you know, tell me what you like, beg me for it. Or, you know, to yeah. give, give that sort of flip to it. So it doesn't sound like I'm as a, I had said to Drew their ask concierge. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, and you know, you can also role play, uh, you know, take, you know, having to, you know, taking it and not, well, basically like you said, taking it like that, you can role play that without actually doing it. So like, for example, I've talked to people who have told me that, you know, their fantasy is, uh, you know, I'm going to make you enjoy anal play without any lubricant. Great fantasy for some people. Not so good a reality. So what did they do? They use lube and they just role play like they aren't. Mm. Right, you can use a small dildo for pegging and do all the dirty talk about how you're taking this big, huge cock. Right, you can you can absolutely role play those things while also taking care of yourself. You know, and I think this is actually super great advice, just um, for anything where people start to enjoy stuff that they think actually is a little bit on the more taboo side. Um, you know, I think a lot of people don't don't talk a lot about how, you know, they just have these desires and they want to see them acted out, but then um, because they're not used to communicating about them, uh, they're, they're sort of not aware of just like how much of that can be accomplished through talk. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and along those lines, you know, thank you for saying that Ava, cause it reminded me along those lines. Um, one great way to make sure that anal play doesn't hurt is don't surprise your partner with penetration. You would think that'd be obvious, right? Right. Uh, so, but I do want to put out there that it doesn't have to be this super clinical. All right, I would like to insert my finger inside your anus. Is that something that you consent to? Um, you can also make it dirty talk, like, "Oh, I can't wait to be inside you," but it's not going to happen till you tell me you want it. I want to hear you beg me for it. I want to hear you say, "Pretty, pretty, please." Yeah. Absolutely. That's and and that scripting helps so much. I think um, you know we we had discussed in a previous episode uh, that one of the most like sort of mind blowing moments uh, of of being able to like sort of quote unquote stay in you know in the role player in in your scene um, was to kind of like make sure that you also like teach people that sort of vocabulary where they can say like if it pleases you, yeah, like this or unless it pleases you, I'd like to stop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, so making it dirty talk is a great way to make sexual communication fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, this is great. Um, I think actually then the the big thing that I know uh, pervades a lot of like, mostly like we're talking like, you know, women dating men. Um, there's always a concern that, that like, or at least maybe it's a cultural myth that somehow like anal quote unquote is some kind of like bargaining chip or it's this like, you know, um, sort of thing that men pursue that, that, you know, like you said, there's, there's this weird sort of, uh, unfortunately like cultural sexual assault, I think that pervades around the idea of, of anal sex or rather that like, because it's so taboo, it's something that you either like joke about taking without asking or, um, you know, people think that they have to sneak their way around it. Yeah. Um, and I think like, kind of like, what's your experience been with, you know, people who, who, for whom those kind of like myths are really pervasive and kind of like where you think, like, cause I'm out at about all the time in like the vanilla world and I, I still find it'll catch me off guard. 
Um, so in terms of that, like, what do you think like can be done about that kind of culture? Well, I, I think there's two things. One is that it is, so, and this isn't specific to male female couples, but I hear this more often there than other gender combinations. There are a lot of men who pressure their partners for anal sex. And sometimes it's because uh, they've been fantasizing about it. They've seen it in porn. They want to, you know, sometimes it's because they feel like if they don't have complete access to their partner's entire body, it means that their partner doesn't trust them. There, there's a lot of pressure around it. Um, and one of the things I have found so fascinating about it is that a, not all of them, but a lot of those guys, if you asked them if they would be willing to receive penetration, they'll be out the door. Um, so I, I just think that's an interesting piece to that. Um, nobody should ever be pressured to do something sexual that they don't want to do. Um, at best, it's creepy, and at worst, it's rapey. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that includes... Uh, complaining or whining or or bargaining um the more you pressure your partner the less safe she's going to feel the less she's going to want to do it yeah and it's because i think it like it introduces also this really like unhealthy um you know thing that starts to take place in some people's like sexual lives where they feel like they have to to constantly bargain with their partner instead of like exchange yeah, um, you know, that, like somebody has to 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 seed ground, and that's just such a bummer on so many levels. Um, yeah, it really because it it makes sex. Uh, what it does is it it becomes a big issue, and it makes people not feel safe. And if they're not feeling safe, it's not going to happen. You know, and I've I've also talked to people who said to their partner, you know, well, if you, you know, you should do this because it shows that you trust me. If you don't want to do it, that means that you don't trust me. Mm. And my answer to that is that if you are demanding that your partner prove that they trust you by having sex in a particular way, you have demonstrated that you are not trustworthy. Yeah, I, so, I really agree. Yeah, so why, why should they want to do it? Um, and, and one, one last thing that I think is important about this is if you want to be on the giving side of anal play, one of the best things that you can do to make sure that you're good at it is to be on the receiving side too. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why I say that is that um, when you have received anal play, it gives you an embodied experience of what it feels like, uh, what is it like to be really turned on and really into your partner and still need lots of warm up. Yeah. And so once you've been on the receiving side, you're more likely to become a more careful, attuned, gentle giver. Yeah. And that, um, that, that patience is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why I think the world is going to be a better place when more men take it up the ass, honestly. Um, <laughs> I will subscribe yes. to that. Yeah. Because, cause you know, I mean, I, I make a joke of it, but for men who have never received penetration, sex is something that happens outside your body. Yeah. And when sex is happening inside your body, it's just, it's a different experience. Um, so yeah, it's, it's important. Yeah, and then I think um, this kind of ties back really interestingly to the, the concept that like, oh, is all penetrative sex um, submissive in some way? And I think like, actually, that, that kind of highlights to me a little bit, I think you just kind of closed the loop for something for me here, um, on why people perceive that. It's because it's really, really hard for them to put themselves um, mentally in the space of like what it would be to have somebody else inside my body the kind of like heightened level of trust so the only thing that they can kind of frame it in is like that somebody would have to have no control on the other end just for that yeah. and to see like when it's not true that you actually do have you know this this tremendous ability to both communicate and then also to enjoy but that there's like extra responsibility on both sides to communicate that i think 
Um, I think your your butt stuff theory of diplomacy has a lot of. Uh, <laughs> well, and and on the flip side too, I've talked with a lot of women who tried pegging for the first time, and realized a, uh, it's a lot of work. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm good. I'm cracking up that you just said that because that is literally the first yeah. thing I said about it to Drew. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like no one. Thing, I've I've heard enough women say you know well now I understand why my boyfriend always collapses after sex because like <laughs> like this is a Pilates workout. Poor, yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, you it's, know. it's it's it, it cracks me up too, just because you know, uh, one of my partners had sort of jostled me very, uh, you know, good naturedly about how, well, you know, Ava, um, get back to me when you've you know had sex with men, penetrative sex, uh, in you know, who are all different heights, all different sizes, like all different kinds of situations. And he's like, then you'll know how hard it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. And doesn't mean it's not fun, but oh, yeah. and and you know if you're pegging someone, you're not worrying about am I gonna stay hard? Am I gonna come too soon? Oh, you yeah. know, right? Like none of that is there either. Oh yeah, that's true. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons why I think it's a useful thing to see what the you know, see what it's like on the other side. That's super funny. I, yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoy that, uh, that perspective just because it's been, uh, it's been such a thing that like, you know, I've been trying it for, for many, many years now. I still don't, you know, feel like, you know, I feel like I know enough now to, to, to not hurt people, to, yeah. to ensure that they have like a good productive communicative, uh, experience with me. Um, but it just, it's, I wonder what one even has to be to, to do to be like quote unquote good. And I, it's very much a relief to hear from you that um, that being just sort of somebody who is open to to my partner, yeah, getting to me what is good that I don't have to like you know because doms I'm sure you meet femdoms doms all the time I think in particular because like women are or it's put on them to like care very deeply about how well you know we take care of another person yeah culturally that 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 even translates to like worrying about their butt maybe a little excessively yeah exactly well and there's a way in which um well one, one last thing just about pegging too and it, it's why it can be challenging mm -hmm. is you don't have nerve endings telling you like where you are you, you have to kind of calibrate that Oh, man, um, yes. And that's and that's tricky. And also, for women, the sort of more generally instinctive, sexy move is like swiveling your hips or doing circle hips. And if you're pegging someone or fucking someone, <laughs> it's a more linear in and out motion. Yeah. And so a lot of folks struggle with that because, like, you know, I. I was at a play party and I was watching somebody use the strap on and she kept swiveling her hips mm. rather than going in and out. And it's like, okay, there's your problem. And I'm sure her partner just sat there, just, you know, just sort of like dead stare or. Yeah. Kind of yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and, and last thing you may already notice Ava, but take mm -hmm. your high heels off. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, people don't talk about how like the 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 way that it repositions, even just how all, all of your muscles and yeah sitting that can be. It's just the motion even can be harder. Yeah, and unless you do pole dancing, so like you're used to dancing in heels, mm -hmm. you know, it's just much easier. Take the heels off. Um, Midori has this great line that she said in one of her workshops that. Um, you know, using a flogger while wearing high heels is also precarious. So what you do is you blindfold your partner, take off the heels, <laughs> do everything you're going to do, and then put the heels back on, and he has no idea that you were Voila. on. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. Like it. So give that a try. That's great. Yeah, let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> so after all this, Drew, um, and, and all this fantastic advice, thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Um, Drew, do you think you, you'd be more open to trying additional things? Is, is pegging something that's ever been on your mind? I don't know. Uh, pegging seems like the next level of things for, for my own exploration, but uh, I definitely want to continue figuring out how to make it pleasurable, including it in other sorts of play and... I want to get one of those mind-blowing prostate orgasms, no? Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> <laughs>
that the yeah. forum cracks me up a little bit. If you go on the Aneros forum, I'm, I'm sure Charlie, you've seen these. Yeah. Like people are like, yeah. oh, I block off like half a day. And I'm like, <laughs> is it going to work anymore? Or you just like, you've joined a butt cult. And like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's weekends too. Let's just yeah. remember that. True. <laughs> Don't have to skip yeah. work. To, to pursue the perfect prostate orgasm. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, just, just call in sick once every now and then. That, yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. That seems like it'd be in one of those articles about, like, having it all. Yeah. <laughs> and your prostate. You know, they're, they're, I'm just imagining a completely different sort of lean-in happening here, but I don't... I don't... <laughs> Can men have it all? <laughs> yeah. I just... I just I, I want that book. Lean in. Uh, lean in. Yeah. I, I think, it, yeah, if, if it's not an article, then it certainly needs to be written. Um, <laughs> I love that. These are all great. Um, Drew, did you have any other questions? No, I'm all tapped out. Yeah, this is fantastic. And uh, thank you for, like, addressing a lot of, you know, in particular, it's, like, fears, taboos. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I really enjoyed uh, Drew starting this podcast was because, I think there's a lot of things that just like they pique people's curiosity and like there's natural traction on wanting to know more. Um, but that like the end result is actually a lot more relatable. Yeah. People. Think. Yeah. Well, and what, what I find with the anal play is that uh, the small things make a big, big difference. So it's not that any of it particularly is rocket science, but it might not occur to you to you know do all the things in this particular way or or whatever um so for the folks out there who have tried it before if it didn't quite work if you decide that you never want to try it again that's totally fine but if you do want to try it again that's gonna make it's gonna be a lot easier if you get a little bit of information so uh you know Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, all of the anal information works for people of any gender, so that's that's a great place to go. Um, there's also uh, the Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women by Tristan Taramino, and if you are more of a video person, uh, Tristan also has a couple of videos with Vivid Ed, um, the Expert Guide to Anal Sex and the Expert Guide to Advanced Anal Sex, I think are the titles. And then, you know, lastly, I teach workshops and I do coaching in person and over Skype. And I, one of the workshops that I do is actually live demo of anal massage because it's one thing to describe it, it's another thing to actually show it. And uh, I've had enough people tell me that it has completely changed their entire approach for anal play. Uh, that I see the benefit of that. So, you know, you're always welcome to get in touch and, you know, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do you have anything big coming up or? Uh, well, my big thing this year is actually I, I've developed a workshop uh, for psychotherapists called Somatic Sexual Healing, where I, I take a lot of the practices that I've learned and created and adapted them to fit within therapists' scope of practice, but basically somatic experiential exercises to help people learn about consent and touch and boundaries and communication. Um, uh, that's, my, that's my big project right now. And then, of course, I'm on the road at least once a month traveling and teaching workshops and working with clients and doing all that stuff too. Awesome. Well, um, I really appreciate all the time you've given us here, Charlie. It's been fantastic. I've, I've already learned a bunch. Awesome. Were you about to say you've learned a buttload? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to avoid the, the puns. I'm already you calling know, it butt stuff, you know? I, I, I like to say that we wrote the book on prostate play because we saw an opening in the market that needed to be filled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll so if, if nothing else, it seems like people really need to, to give it a try just to invite more wonderful puns into their life. It's true. <laughs> I'm proving that you don't need to be a biological father to tell dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm really easy to track down because 
uh, on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and FetLife and everywhere else. I'm just Charlie Glickman. Uh, you can also find me at charlieglickman.com or my coaching webpage, which is makesexeasy.com. Uh, and I do a free half-hour Get Acquainted call so folks can check me out uh, if you want to see if you are, or if I'm the right fit for you. Uh, I'm happy to talk. And if I'm not the right fit, I will do my best to suggest somebody who might be a better match. So uh, please don't hesitate to get in touch. It's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for having me tonight. Yeah, for sure. So raise your hand if you learned something about your butt today. I know I sure did. We hope you felt inspired to break your own taboos around anal play and maybe feel inspired to try some of this advice in this episode, no matter if you're a beginner or, of course, your own butt spurt. Tell us how it goes. I can't recommend Charlie enough as an ongoing resource in your butt journey, of course, so you can catch him and his excellent works at charlieglickman.com, which we'll also be putting in our episode description. Thanks again for joining us. And of course, if you have feedback or subjects you'd like us to cover, you can always reach out at TabooTabooPod on Twitter or TabooTabooPodcast at gmail.com. 